Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of March 2012. Now newcomers to this broadcast should always help themselves to the audios, there's free audios, uh, over a thousand, well over a thousand audios to download if you want to understand the big system you've been born into and how we're managed from birth, um, even with the aid of your parents who've been brainwashed before you were born. And then school takes over. And as Jack C. Lowell said, it's essential for good subsequent propaganda uh, that you get a good education, which prepares you for taking the propaganda and accepting it. So we're living in a big planned system, a very old system, by the way. I mean, we always tend to think that our governments are at the cutting edge of, well, what? What are they cut, uh, the cutting edge of? Government really is chronology of a few over the rest of the public, and it's an ancient art. And uh, the governed, of course, must always consent to be governed. They're born into the system. They think it's quite natural. Everything, in fact, is quite natural. Even the money system is natural to them. They question nothing. And you're trained just to go off and work and, uh, and be a good consumer and producer and pay taxes and keep the dominant minority in power, basically. The dominant minority always see the general public really as a sheep. That's why they call them the good shepherds and all that kind of stuff in ancient times. And nothing has changed. We're kept in the dark like mushrooms and fed you-know-what. But anyway, help yourself to the audios. You understand how the system works, the big foundations, which are run by the big international moneylenders, really fund hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of non-governmental organizations across the world. There's over 500 alone in India, all financed by the same foundations to bring the world into a particular type of planned society to make it life better for those at the top. So, uh, as I say, go through the audios, help yourself. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't promise to cure you of all your ills and, and sell things. Or, or, or have shares in any products whatsoever. So it's up to you to keep me going. You can do so by going into the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and buying the books and discs there. Uh, from the U.S. to Canada, remember, personal checks are still good. And you can also use an international postal money order from the post office from the U.S. to Canada, or PayPal, or uh, some people to send cash. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And I don't just uh, talk off the top of my head. What I do is really go into the history of the big foundations that sprung up to be philanthropies, basically, and a long, long time ago, and decided to take the world over that way. It's easier to have a front we call democracy with a government that we think we, we elect and who are running us. And in reality, the big foundations and their philanthropic uh, bosses decide how the world is to be run. It's all done past government, around government, and simply, uh, once they draft up all their various treaties, they hand it to government, they then rubber stamps it. When you go into government, you're immediately informed of how the world is really, really run, and you either accept it right, right away, or you get out. Very few get out. 
they're all pretty well vetted for being good psychopaths before they, they even run in fights. So you're living in a planned society with a planned agenda, and the public have no input whatsoever. The only ones who have input into this system are the ones that, that are funded by the foundations with unlimited financing behind them and immediate, immediate um, media coverage on any topic which they push. You'll notice at the moment, of course, to do nothing but push uh, the, the, the coming catastrophes about the world and, and CO2 and all that. And it's all in preparation. There's billions of bucks being spent across the world daily, daily on massive advertising and inserts in your newspapers to brainwash us all for the upcoming Rio Plus 20 when you're really going to see the laws come down then. Everybody's going to suffer. Back with more after this break. Folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix and it's interesting how we're so predictable. We're, we're, everyone is so predictable because you're brought up in a common culture, just no matter where you're born and even more so today because a long, long time ago the big uh, culture industry got together with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, had their meeting in Britain and decided to give it to Hollywood. They would create the culture for the world and the music industry, of course, was in on it too. And it's been awfully successful. Uh, but we're all pushed to to buy things, at work and, and, and purchase stuff. Generally junk, of course, doesn't last long. And, um, and that was supposed to be what living was all about, just buying and producing and purchasing and consuming, etc. And then, of course, we, we, step by step, we're led into this particular global situation where, unbeknownst to most, most people in the world, and a, a plan had been formed a 100 years ago to bring the world into a global governmental system. And they came out with their books, the big players at the time. They were all the ones who ran the big foundations, these tax-free uh, charitable foundations, they call themselves. I say there's thousands of them now. Many of them are just fronts for the main foundations, and, and they funnel the money through to the NGO armies they have. So they've had 100 years to work on this, this uh, plan of globalism. But it isn't just globalism. And George Bernard Shaw, for instance, gave a good um, talk on it in one of his early filmed speeches. And I've mentioned it before. It was up on a particular documentary about the, the socialist, Fabian socialist system and the Soviet Union because he was an ardent admirer for this system. But he said, eventually, you'll all have to come to us when we're in power and justify your existence, why we should keep you alive. And that is really the whole system of globalism, is population reduction uh, for not nothing to do with overpopulation of the world. It's population reduction down to a manageable level. You see, the big boys literally see us as, as a farm. And this matter what your speciality is in the general population and your workplace, you're still part of the big farm. And the specialists, the ones who've decided they're far more evolved than you, and, and so their families, of course, uh, hold the p- power of money over the whole world. And have held on to this power of money for generations. They haven't lost it. So they said to themselves a long time ago, yes, we have the right to rule the world and plan the future for our own survival, you see. And, of course, eugenics and Darwinism fell right into their lap. In fact, I think really they created them, to be honest with you. Uh, along with Freud too. 
And they explained it this way. They said, you know, it's just like a, you cannot plant an acorn and grow an oak tree uh, just by putting it in the soil. You've got to have the right bacteria come along, the right kind of molds come along, and more bacteria come in. And in other words, the bacteria and the molds are all of you, you see. And so generation after generation, you build the future of an oak tree, you see, some other species, which is the giants, you see. And that's how they see all of you. You're just the bacterium and the fungus, etc., that works generations to, to prepare the soil so that they can plant their, their wonderful oak tree, which is themselves, their utopia down in the future. But the beauty, you see, the beauty of this technique uh, and this reality that we're given is that we're the only species that has to be convinced to go along with their own extinction. You see? And so they come out with wonderful phrases like, you know, uh, dignity and dying, stuff like that, which is euthanasia, let's call it, assisted suicide, assisted, assisted dying is another one too, you see. And, and this euthanasia is euthanasia, folks. Killing is killing. You can't dress it up in any fancy uh, pastry type of way. It's what it is. But they use this terminology on us until eventually, after years of, and, and lots of propaganda from television series, well, maybe they're right, you know. And that's how it works with the general population. They get you to agree with your own demise. Yep. You're born with a brain and you don't use it. You're convinced by experts. And you never check up on these experts to see that they'll, they're turned out of the same factory, you know, of eugenics. But it's just amazing how it goes. But we're so predictable. Uh, human behavior uh, has had so much money, of your own money, spent on studying you and generations before you. It's just astonishing. They know everything, how we react in every situation. And behaviorists and the, the various psychologists and behavioral psychologists uh, are all on board on this. Big, big, big seats at the top of world power today. Big seats. And I've mentioned over the years um, a particular video you've got to see, and it was called Star Suckers, and it's a two-part, you've got to see both parts of it. But it shows you how ordinary folk in the street react when you think uh, a TV or, or a model or an actor is walking down the street. And all they do, you can actually hire photographers to, to come around like a big bunch of bees going around you and flashing away, and everyone around you will think you're a star. 300 bucks an hour is what it could cost you. And people do this thing. And everyone's sure they get out of the way. Everybody gets out of the way and goes hands over the face. Oh, wow. Did you see them? I saw them. Who was it? I don't know. It must be a new movie star. Whoa. All that stuff. That's how simple we react, you see. Because you see, you see it so many times on television. You react the way that the, that the dunces on television reacted. The same way, hand over the mouth. <gasps> you know, who's that? But you ought to see how it's done. And you ought to see, too, how the power of television has altered everyone. Where you'll see parents giving their children to total strangers to pretend that they're going to act in a a children's ad on television. And they give them an artificial chicken and a machete to chop the chicken's heads off. And, And the folk are standing there giving their children away to these strangers to get it done. That's how stupid people are. Yeah, they are stupid. That's why you're giving their brain, you've got to learn to use it, you know. And you also see um, how they can make folk believe in anything through the power of television. The second part goes into the power of charity and charities. And some of the present big uh, front men, ex-pop stars, etc., 
who literally are the, the advocates for, for more loans for the third world countries, Ethiopia, etc. But where the money really goes? Billions and billions are raked in. Raked in like crazy. No one's taking account of it except the notes in the billions. But only, only a, a few thousand end up where it's supposed to go, that kind of stuff. So you've got to watch all of it. Now this has been pulled so many times, you seem to have mentioned it, uh, and someone's got an awful job keeping it, put it up, up there all the time. But anyway, um, it's back up again. So at the end of the night I'll put up the link and you can go to it if it's still up there by the end of the night and watch it. You've got to watch both parts of it and never forget what you see. Never forget it. Very important. Now, uh, in Australia, of course, which is one of the, it's now on the cutting edge for the New World Order Australia. It's totally Fabian socialist, of course. Uh, and, of course, they would have put in Gillard right now. I'm not talking about the public. The public don't put anybody in. But the, the big boys wouldn't have put uh, Gillard in. And that's uh, the, the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They have a big Australian branch. Unless it was time to put uh, this kind of society openly in governing them. So obviously they know the pulse of the population of Australia, that they, they take it, they, they take pretty well anything that was dished out to them. But you've got the article, articles that is coming out right now. Australian globalist Senator Bob Brown calls for world government. Now Bob Brown, the Senator Bob Brown in Australia, is a total greenie, of course. He wants depopulation and, and less folk living in the rural areas, etc. He wants to punish everybody who's alive, basically, that, that's not one of his own. And so deep population, he's also a eugenicist and he believes too uh, in assisted dying. You know, he, he was one of the guys that pushed the bill through in Australia at the same time as getting pushed in Canada, at the same time as getting pushed in Britain. Because it's all part of the, the Queen's Empire, you see. Still, it's still the Queen's Empire. And, um, anyway, it's this Australian globalist Senator Brown calls for world government openly. And uh, so the globalists have officially infiltrated the Australian government have now admitted on record that they want Australia to lead the world to introduce global government and the new world order. And the new world order. But see, it's no surprise that we've heard it that many times. Uh, It's like kind of passe, you know. Australian globalist Greens Party leader and unofficial leader of the Australian Labour Party, Senator Bob Brown, has been quoted as saying that the world should be ruled by a new global parliament under the auspices of the United Nations. Now, if you look in the global parliaments, if, if, I don't know if you'll find it on the net or not. I've got the old paper book, so I don't use it much. So H.G. Wells talked about that when they first set up the League of Nations, which was the precursor of the United Nations. The League of Nations, he said, was to be a world parliament. It wasn't just a meeting place to trash out difficulties. It should be a world parliament. So this is an old, old idea that's never gone away because every year your governments are, are staffed by globalists from a particular organization across the world. And um, they sign treaties and they get them drafted up every year for them. The, the actual organization that runs them drafts up the treaties and hands them to the parliamentarians to sign into law. And that's been that way my, my whole life and before I was born. Anyway, Senator Bob Brown then went on to say that Australia should take the lead in establishing the global parliament to govern issues such as nuclear proliferation, international financial transactions and poverty. He didn't say climate change. Generally, they're all told to say climate change as well, no matter what they're talking about. So it's your job, you see, to tackle international poverty. Did you know that? That's why you're here. Now, that's one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto, of course. And folk get very confused. They say, why would bankers set up an international organization called communism 
that are supposed to be uh, their antithesis. Well, you see, they've got to have the two sides, apparent sides, to lead all of you. You'll take sides, you see. And through the conflict, you end up with the path they want to go as, as a new thesis, you see. That's how it works. And um, Julian Huxley actually said that. He said it was essential we have this Cold War with Russia, for instance. We need, we need the dialectic, he said, to bring them the, the, onto the common path, which is a new way of living. You can't have it. See, you can't change the present way of living unless you've got some opposing party that wants to alter it. Then you come up, and not into a compromise. It starts with a compromise between the two, two warring factions. But then you go off into a completely different tangent than the one you would thought would ever emerge. And of course, it's all planned to go that way. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and you know, as I say, most, most treaties are drafted up not by governments, but by the NGOs that uh, meets across the planet and bind us all together. That's what they say we're bound by treaties. And I read an article earlier in the week to do with this, this technique they use because uh, they start off with these soft treaties, they call them soft. And, but with promises to go on with more in-depth discussions, as they say, as time goes on, and until ultimately they're binding. And along the way, we, we read these little things at the side of our eye, and uh, you're being conditioned to accept it without even knowing. So that when they actually say, it, that, that now here's a full treaty and we've signed it, and this is how you live from now on, uh, it seems like the natural thing. The same predictive programming you get uh, with watching movies. Movies will tell you where the world is going. It doesn't emulate life. It actually, they call themselves the culture creators in Hollywood. Not followers, creators. Openly. Now, we always talk about the, the US and Canada and Mexico have been bound together for a long time actually. But then, uh, it was in, um, uh, 1995, I think they first came out, uh, or 2005, they came out openly as I say, with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, or CFR, they called it here in Canada at, at that time. And uh, they said, uh, the, the chairman said, uh, that they drafted up the treaty for, the first part of the treaty for the amalgamation of the Americas. And Lloyd Axworthy, who was the Assistant Prime Minister of Canada just before that, uh, was the head of the CFR's delegation, uh, who was a spokesman. And he said, yeah, it's the way we've got to go, etc." just like they've done it with Europe. And here's an article here. Canada, Mexico, U.S. enhanced defense cooperation. That sounds, well, defense, you know. And it says um, that uh, defense ministers of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico concluded a two-day meeting in Ottawa. Now, two days is just to sign something, something that's been taken maybe one or two years to draft up. That's why they meet. Same with the, the, the G20, when they meet for their big booze up and their 24-course meals and all that. Uh, they only meet for two or three days and have a great old time and sign whatever uh, has been drafted up by what they call the Sherpas. The Sherpas are the bureaucrats that go around the world uh, working steadily every day, getting uh, everybody's inputs and, and agreements, etc., and drafting up the proper treaties. So when they have the, the main meetings, it's just there for the, for the press. 
and to get you used to the idea and to believe too that your prime ministers and presidents are actually in charge of something. But anyway, it says um, threats to North America and the hemisphere are increasingly complex, you see, and require non-traditional responses. We've agreed to enhance our cooperation to support efforts to counter transnational criminal organizations and to respond to natural disasters in the hemisphere, the defense reps said in a joint statement. Imagine them all speaking at once, eh? In different languages. Anyway, Canada's Defence Minister Peter Mackay said this inaugural trilateral defence meeting formalised and strengthened the necessary cooperation between our three countries. In other words, we're not going to tell you the real reasons. That's what that means, you see. Mackay's counterparts at the meeting included US Defence Secretary Leon Panetta, General Guillermo Galvan Galvan, uh, Mexican Secretary of National Defense and Admiral Mariano Francisco Sinez Mendoza, Mexican Secretary of the Navy. Uh, Galvan told his counterparts the drug war had cost Mexico 150,000 of its citizens and warned the cartels of ties to Canada and the United States. So it's all to do with drugs that we've got to all combine together, you see. And it says, Panetta said after the meeting that drug trafficking and the violent cartels it funds are amongst the most serious threats confronting North, Central and South America. I think all of us realize this threat to North America and to security and the threat to our people, etc. So they're using drugs this time. Last time it was natural disasters and, and before that it was something else. So they want to share military intelligence including interdicting drugs at sea. In other words, they want to alter a uniformed um, military basically down the road as part of it too. And it's one of the biggest and most challenging threats is movement on the water, says Mackay. The sheer volume of containers, for example, that comes into North America from sources all around the world, mainly China, and they know that. And the screening of the containers that often contain illicit materials and people, including drugs. Mackay said that the use of more high-tech equipment to examine containers and other surveillances were example of the types of cooperation that might occur under new agreements. Like they haven't had any before, right? So, you know, this has nothing to do with what they're saying. I mean, they're already um, having joint military exercises and stuff like that. happening for years, in fact. So we'll not get told what this is all about, by the way. We'll not get told. When they did the free trade uh, negotiations before NAFTA, um, they gave the public eventually 600 pages out of thousands of pages. The other thousands of pages are actually vaulted outside Ottawa and haven't to be opened for another 50 years. What we get is handouts like this nonsense here. Because we're just the people, you see. I mean, you understand government's never there to keep you informed. They're not there to serve you. If you have that strange idea, they're there to serve you. You serve the government, believe you me. <laughs> you believe you me, you serve the government. And they're, they're never going to tell you any truth on anything. But, of course, America uh, was to amalgamate with uh, all the other countries of the, the continent here, just like um, the European coalition, as they first called it, and the common market turned into uh, this dominating Soviet-style parliament. And, of course, Karl Marx was the first to say this, and he was funded by the banking boys, too, for those who really have a hard time with that. And, uh, of course, the rest was the Pacific Rim region. And the Rollins of International Affairs worked on them all for the last hundred years to make all this happen. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix talking about how the world really is, which is different from the one you've been taught to believe and, and the one that you maybe even want to believe. Most folk want to believe in socialism. They really do. They want to believe there's special people who come out of special wombs and, and somehow they're better at running the world than you would be, for instance, and, and you accept everything they say as a gospel truth. And uh, it, it's just amazing how many corrupt people are up at the top there, have been caught so many times, but it doesn't stop them. They're up there again, and people still want to believe them. It's kind of like getting Al Capone back in, uh, you know, year after year. You know what he's done, but you kind of like the guy because he, he seems a bit more slicker in his mind than you happen to be. And uh, that's what politicians are. But they all take their orders, as I say, because as Professor Carl Quigley said, who was the historian of the CFR, he said that uh, there hasn't been a president or prime minister in the world, basically, in the Western world, elected in the last for 60 years. And he said that in the 1960s. For 60 years, it hasn't been a member of the CFR. It's a matter of what party you, you think you're voting in. And he said it wasn't important uh, what the claim the party was or pretended to, to run for. It wasn't, didn't matter at all. It didn't matter that those beneath them maybe really did belong to the party. They were allowed some competition at the bottom, but at the top, uh, the ones who got in, uh, that's all you had to do with Peter Manning on top, and they make the policies. And that's even more so in the U.S. because of executive orders, etc. Now, this article here talks about the Trilateral Committee, not the commission, but it's, it's related to it. It's funded by the same groups, of course. And the trilateral uh, committee is interesting because, you see, uh, it's part of the CFR. It's a specialized branch. And their job was also to bring in the Canada, the U.S., Mexico, and others in Latin America into this big consortium, this new business plan that they, they'll own at the top. And um, that was part of it. The other part was to make sure that they did bring in, through the trilateral commission, not the committee, but the commission, to bring in the, the actual United Americas, United Europe, United Pacific Rim region. So there's two functions that they have. Now here's the Trilateral Committee for, for the Americas. It says here, in 1996, the wildlife conservation agencies of the United States, Mexico and Canada signed a memorandum of understanding. Now that's the soft one, I'll tell you, they always do this. No one, no one objects to this. It sounds like, oh, it's, nice. it's like a handshake, you know. That's what it's like. Well, it's a memorandum of understanding. That sounds rather tepid. Establishing the Canada-Mexico-U.S. Trilateral Committee for Wildlife and Ecosystem Conservation and Management. In other words, they're taking over all the land, folks, and who can go on it, who can't go on it, who should live on it, and who shouldn't. Who can drink from their own well water, and who can grow what in their farm? That's the whole kit and caboodle. This little tepid thing here. It says, this agreement formally brought together for the first time the three nations of North America, consolidating a continental effort for wildlife and ecosystem conservation and management. That's everything around you. And it takes away private property rights and everything. You know. So the Trilateral Committee facilitates and enhances cooperation and coordination amongst the wildlife agencies of the three nations in projects and programs for the conservation and management of the wildlife plants, biological diversity, and ecosystems of mutual interest. 
The trilateral also facilitates the development of partnerships. Here's your dangerous part because they bring all these private other groups into it as well, run by the foundations, with other associated and interested entities. Delegations from each country come together annually for discussions on a wide range of topics from joint on-the-ground projects to issues of law enforcement to the department to the development of information databases. It's more than just that. Information databases. What are you going to say? You know, try to find out if a, if a spider in Canada is going twice the speed of the one in Mexico. I mean, what do you think that is? Law enforcement? Hmm? What do you think that is? Discussions take place under the auspices of working tables that report to an executive body comprising the directors of the three wildlife agencies. Because the issues important to the three nations change, working tables are established and discontinued as needed. Currently, there are seven active working tables. Species of common concern, law enforcement, ecosystem conservation, migratory birds, convention on the international trade of endangered species of wild flora and fauna, uh, that's called C-I-T-E-S for, for, for those who, who get excited. And the executive committee, it says. So I'll put this up tonight too, for those who think there's nothing's happening uh, as you live. And I'll also put up um, other articles about this trilateral committee uh, that's uh, busy signing all these agreements. Uh, and of course you know nothing about it. But it does tell you the background of them too. Uh, and... Um, where they're going with it. They're not going to tell you everywhere they're going, because eventually you'll be stuck in the cities, and all farmers will be under uh, corporation management, big corporations as almost are, and you won't have any private little farms left at all, uh, because there's so many penalties to all. But your governments are all involved. Uh, they have their own Sherpas, again, working year-round, uh, drafting up treaty after treaty after treaty. So eventually, it, just, it doesn't matter what you do, on any day at all, you're breaking some kind of law. If you, if you live on the farm or, or even in the rural, even in the, the built up areas around cities. Because that's what it's about. And this article here too is to do with, um, some of the, some of the things that just don't make sense to the people at the bottom. Because homeland security has taken over everything apparently. Everything. It's, it's taken over, um, it's, it's on top of the police. It's above the police. It's taking on a military role, and it is a military system. Whether you like it or not, it's military. And um, they've taken over the, the Great Lakes. I've read the articles over the past years where they put all these gunboats on the Great Lakes. And um, something bigger, obviously, is meant to, to happen down the road. And, of course, we know that with austerity and everything else, meaning forced poverty, uh, as you share your wealth across the world, um, then it's going to be a, it's going to be, the time will come when twigs will break, put it that way. And they know that at the top. They've had plenty of experience studying other countries and trying that on third world countries. And they know exactly where the stick will break with the general public. Plus they've got everyone's pulse of the internet. They know exactly again at any time, any second of every day, what the public are complaining about with their conversations and so on. But it says here, ATK, big company, secures a .40 caliber ammunition contract with Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, that's under the Department of Homeland Security, and the ICE, it says here. It says, um, uh, it says um, 
announced that it has been awarded as companies an indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity agreement from the Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Department of Homeland Security, ICE, ICE, for 40, .40 caliber ammunition. The contract features a, tw- a base of 12 months, including four options or option years, will have a maximum volume of 450 million rounds. This is for internal U.S. For this for that. 450 million rounds. Since ATK was the incumbent and won the contract with its HST bullet, which has proven itself in the field, it's a hollow point. You know, you can't use hollow points in warfare abroad with other countries because it's illegal under the United Nations. But you can, anything that's un- illegal under the United Nations means you can use it at home, including a harp, by the way and various other um, uh, frequency technologies. But you can also use a hollow point, which pretty well kills its target. It's meant to expand like crazy as it goes through a body. That's why it's banned for the use in the military against a, a foreign power. But not on domestic. So they want 450 million rounds for the homeland security. What, 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 is it just target practice or something? Or? Anyway, so it says here, we're proud to extend our track record as a prime supplier of the 40 caliber duty ammunition for the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Customs, Immigration, all the rest of it, yada, yada, yada. And it will produce the, the ammunition at the Federal Cartridge Company facility in Anoka, Minnesota. Deliveries are expected to begin in June. This is ATK is an aerospace, defense, and commercial products company. I must be well connected to get an order like that, eh? With operations in 22 states, Puerto Rico, and internationally. And um, you can actually look up their website. But also, it isn't just there, because um, in this other uh, site I've got up to, the American Dream, it goes on about the same thing again, uh, and this big contract. But it doesn't stop there. Because they're also buying uh, other rounds as well. Uh, they're going to buy 170 million rifle ammunition rounds on top of that. 175 million of the 2.233 caliber ammo. That's what they're using. Which is almost exactly the same round used by NATO forces, which is a 5.56 by 45 millimeter. And since this all comes at a time when gun sales are absolutely going through the roof in the U.S., and gun manufacturer Sturm Ruger and Company recently announced that it would be suspending new orders until May because it received orders for more than 1 million guns during the months of January and February. But this is what the government's ordering for themselves. 450 million hollow point bullets. Well, what's, what's going on here? Is this for the drug cartels? <laughs> You're hoping, eh? You're hoping that's what it's for. Well, you won't know until you hear the cracks going off in the street, I guess. Because uh, you don't order that. That's, that's, that's war to the time uh, consumption, obviously. That's what that is. And another article I'm putting up tonight too. All, all these articles are put up tonight. Remember, cutting through the com. This one is about uh, Lord Moncton battles global warming bad guys in the conference in San Diego. It's a little video presentation. And you can look up that and... Now, in Canada, one little victory was the restrictive education bill was defeated for homeschoolers. This is an impossible happened in Alberta, Canada. Homeschoolers were fighting for their very freedom to teach truth according to their conscience and convictions. A bill that was just destined to pass and would have given the government authority over the education content 
of every child in Alberta, including homeschoolers and private school students, was defeated on Monday. And I'll put that up as well. Mind you, it doesn't stop them. They keep coming back, don't they? They can hire as many as they want, generation after generation, until they get what they want. Now, often folks said that Dick Cheney and many others like him never had a heart. And Indian folk, he hadn't had a heart for the last few years. He had a pump outside his body. He had no pulse, this guy. But I guess he went to see the Wizard of Oz. And, of course, he's got a new heart inserted. But also went to the, to, uh, to the, the Oz. It was Oz and the, and the Chaldees. Apparently, they were the big magicians. But anyway, somebody put a heart back in him. And they make all a fuss over that. Oh, you know, this is not right that an older person should get a heart. Who are they kidding? Do you, do you think that, do you think that this is going to take a heart away from a younger person that needs it? Do you think that Cheney's on the same list that everybody else is on? Are you kidding? Are you that thick? Really? Well, anyway, so there you are. You can get a heart given to you. And, <laughs> It's quite amazing what goes on in New York because this is about MKO, they call it. Not MK Ultra, but MKO. It says it's the US's only hope to stop a reigning nuclear program, says the ex mayor of New York City, uh, Rudolph Giuliani. It says, um, it says, the former mayor of New York says a terrorist group of Mujahideen, a Calc organization, MKO, as the United States only hoped to stop Iran's nuclear energy program through a military attack. Speaking at a conference in Paris, Rudolf Giuliani noted that the U.S. should use the MKO, which is actually a terrorist organization, to military attack Iran's nuclear program, International Business Times reported. The conference was also attended by a former U.S. Attorney General Michael Mukasey, former Homeland Security Chief Tom Ridge, former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations John Bolton, and former Rhode Island Rep uh, Patrick Kennedy. You used to look and see the association these guys belong to, because they're all actually getting paid for this, by the way, to promote this using a terrorist group. I have a feeling this will be the only thing that will stop Iran, the only thing that will stop President Mahmoud, uh, says uh, Ahmadinejad, he said, is if they see strength, if they see power, and if they see determination, if they see an America that is willing to support the people that want to overthrow the regime of Iran, he said, well, who wants to overthrow anybody? Well, you better ask that question, eh? Giuliani's remarks come despite the fact that MKO, along with 49 other groups, including Al-Qaeda, is on the U.S. State Department's list of foreign terrorist organizations. So here's Americans in high-profile positions getting paid to go on tours uh, demanding that that, uh, we use a terrorist organization to attack Iran. Eh? So anyway, so it says here, despite that law, the three top-ranking former U.S. officials are currently being investigated by the Treasury Department for accepting speaking fees for the MKO, the terrorist organization. How, and that's the thing too, how come they can do that? How can they get up there and, and, and get money, get paid money for promoting war, that America go to war, mind you, and support a terrorist organization to attack another country? You understand, there's no such thing as democracy or representation of the people. There never has been. Anyway, Giuliani, who charges as much as $100,000 per speaking engagement, not bad, eh, for, for, for following a script, was asked to appear at the Paris conference by the so-called French Committee for a Democratic Iran. What has France got to do with Iran, eh? So the U.S. The Treasury Department charges that these types of Iranian organizations are clandestinely funneling money from the MKO into speakers' pockets. Well, of course they are. That the, the, the present Iranian government isn't paying them. It's these terrorists that are doing it. But mind you, too, 
uh, it's all made easy and smooth by the organisations these boys, these particular boys belong to. And I'm sure some will understand what I'm talking about. But we live in a fantasy, don't we? It's a real fantasy, and we call it reality. Mind you, most folk are quite happy playing on the on the internet and playing games and and, and watching movies and whatever else they're watching. They're quite happy. As long as they go out and party at the weekends, they'll do anything all week long just to get by. They don't mind too much. The problem is not, you see, the problem isn't just what the governments are doing, the, the minority, or, or the ones who own the world and own the governments. And and it's not the ones who understand. And the ones who understand are pressed between those who want to dominate the world and do dominate the world and the general population, the masses who don't really care who runs the world or what's done to, to them or others. See, that's really what it is. You've got a small group of awake people who don't want power. They want to be left alone. But because they call it democracy, the majority go along with what they're told to go along with. And it forces that, that minority in between to go along with them. They push it well, the rest of them didn't mind, so we're passing a law. Well. Or 80, 80% haven't objected, so what's wrong with you? That's what happens, you see. And, you know, you, you can belong to the majority if you want to, but you do have the chance to wake up. It is a decision. It really is a decision to start using your brains. pretty difficult to do. You get that rust out of it and oil it up a bit and get it moving and, and thinking for yourself. Because if you don't think for yourself, somebody else is going to do it for you. And you'll just pirate it. Well, back in a moment after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and... And just one last article to do with Big Brother. Big Brother is everywhere, but Big Brother is fairly unobtrusive. We read articles about homes getting raided here and there, and it's always somewhere else. It's like things that happen across the world. It's vague and away from you, so you don't think anything about it. That's how it was in Russia when they, when they used to come for people. They turned the whole street out, actually, to witness it. It was part of the Soviet law. And uh, the, K, the NKVD boys would uh, go up there and clobber a family and pull them out in the streets. And Solzhenitsyn says that that's when you stop it in its tracks at the beginning. You, got to, you can't let things go on, you know. you got to do it only at the beginning. Before, if you let it go on, you adapt to it and accept it. And he wrote about that in one of his books, how they should have got pickaxes and so on and handles and spades, whatever, and, and stopped it in its tracks. But Big Brother's back, unobtrusive, watching everything you do. Because you, you have no rights, you see. You're, you're an object. You're an animal now under the World Convention on the Rights of Animals and all that. You don't even have rights at all, actually. The animals have got them all. And it says here, anyway, Big Brother's back. ID cards were nothing compared to the government's snooping plans. This is for Britain, but this, this database is for everybody. Ian Duncan Smith's new database, quietly being built in India, is set to be the most expansive data mining operation ever carried out by any government against its citizens. The universal credit system will contain an unprecedented amount of information on all aspects of our lives, much of which will be controlled by private companies. And a chilling development appears that the database will use voice biometrics as part of security protocols. 
New system, which is due to be launched in 2013, will dwarf the plans for a national identity register, which was dropped by the Labour Party after storms of protest. With the advent of smartphone and handheld readers, this new system could easily become an effective electronic national identity card. It's interesting that's at the same time that the U.S. has got that one in the States getting built, that massive project there too. Universal credit is the government's policy to replace all benefits and tax credits with one unified benefit. They did it, this is when they go cashless. The database is set up to manage it, it will be built into the tax system and rely on the real-time reporting system for tax payments, which is currently in development. They were all storekeepers eventually, but HTML put that stuff in the till. Uh, it'll computer, the computers rush it through to, the, I guess, the world government, eh? Might as well call it the world government. And, um, and, and you can't cheat them in any way because they'll know exactly how much this costs, etc. and have all the, the ID number of the, the pin number of the thing you just put through and the price of it and the tax they should get sent. So they know all. You know what a servant is or a slave? You ever wondered what it really meant? See, slaves had no rights either. It says, it is therefore likely that everyone with or without a job will find themselves on the database. Under real-time reporting, the government will require self-employed taxpayers and PAYE employers to submit monthly figures on earnings. The government will know where you are on a month-to-month basis, unlike the current system, which only relies on annual returns. This will create a huge amount of additional work and bureaucracy for self-employed people and small firms alike. Like many aspects of the plans, this is something the government hasn't been particularly forthcoming about. But the current tax database will also contain details of whether you are married, your basic details such as name, address, date of birth, national insurance number, along with details of your children. To accommodate the damages or the changes to child benefit, the database will also need details of whether you live with a partner, even if you aren't married. You know, most folk won't mind. They won't mind. They give all that information out at the checkout counters. They're trained well, aren't they? Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>